I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Psalm 126. Psalm 126. All of us, uh, all of us like uh, a second chance. Um, one, of the, one of the things that I've learned some years ago, I, I am not a great golfer, don't really even consider myself a golfer. I've been about once in the last 12 or 13 years. I know some of you are, um, are great almost professional golfers. How many golfers we got in the room this morning that's willing to admit it? How many of y'all cussed the last night? I'm not going to ask you that. <laughs> Nothing, a few things other than children te- test your sanctification like golfing. And one of the terms that I learned uh, was a, a, a friend of mine introduced me to, and um, I asked him one time about the score that he had, and somebody asked me one time, they said, Preacher, do you think... Do you think golfing is a sin? I said, only if you play like I do. Then it's probably, it's probably a sin. But this friend of mine, he told me his score. And I said, man, that's really a great score. But then what if, I, if you've ever golfed, you know that some people do what's, what's called, they take a mulligan. Anybody, y'all know what taking a mulligan is? It's where, just imagine you're playing a game of golf, and some of y'all can't really imagine that, and don't, some of you don't really even want to imagine it, but you're, you're playing really well for about the first 12 of the 18 holes, and you've got a great score, you've driven well, you've putted well, you've short games on, on point, and you get up on the tee, and you hit the ball, and it ricochets off the golf cart into the water and hits onto the next green, and it's a, it's a mess, and you walk back over to your golf bag, and you reach in and you take out another ball. And you go and you put that on the tee and you take what's called a mulligan and it means you get a fresh start. My friend that had this great score, he told me his trick. He takes a mulligan on every hole. I said, well, if I did that, I could do pretty good. Some people, they take them on each you know, front nine, back nine, some people on 18. I have played with some friends that were hardcore, and they said, we don't take mulligans. We don't believe in those. That's not part of the rules. Well, I may not be part of the rules, but it's part of my golf game. It's a key part of my golf game. But it doesn't matter whether you call it a, a mulligan, a second chance, a fresh start. I am glad that my God is a God of second chances. I'm glad that he is a God of new beginnings. And the psalm that we're going to look at this morning is the psalm of new beginnings. Now this morning, I don't know what your new beginning will look like. I don't know what your new beginning that you need is. For some, it is a new beginning of salvation. Your life is at a point, you've tried everything you can imagine, you've tested, you've tried to find satisfaction, you've tried to find hope, and nothing has seemed to satisfy. And you need a new beginning in Christ. For others, it may be that you need a new beginning of confession of sin and repentance and restoration. There's things in your life that you need to be restored from and you need a, a new beginning. I'm glad that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Some who are serving and maybe have served in the past and you need a new beginning in service and returning to... The, the task that God has called us to do. We'll see the, all of this in this psalm this morning. But I want you to see the text, and then I want you to see the truth behind it, and then we'll make some application from it. Begin reading with me, if you will, in verse 1. In Psalm 126, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. 
and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Are you glad for the great things God has done in your life? Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. To understand this psalm, we need to understand where this psalmist is coming from. The first thing we would notice about it is, is that it's a song of degrees. It's a song of progression. It's a traveling song, and it's a holiday song. We have songs that we associate with different holidays. We have Easter songs. We have Thanksgiving songs. We have, um, we have plenty of Christmas songs, probably more so than any other holiday. I suspect somebody's probably already or will write up a Halloween song to scare everybody with. Um, I was working in my lab late one night. Maybe that's a, ha- a Halloween song. Some of you that are over a certain age, you'll recognize that song. But we have songs that we associate with certain holidays. This was a song that at different times of the year as they would travel, the men of the nation would travel up to Jerusalem. It's why it's degrees. It's a song of ascents. It's a song of climbing, and they would sing it on their way up. You always go up to Jerusalem because it is on a hill and it's on a mountain, and so they are heading up, and so they sing this song, and they're singing this psalm to remind them of what God has done for them. In this particular psalm, they are coming out of captivity The Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. For 70 years, God has put His people into captivity. For 70 years, they have been under the authority of the Babylonian kingdom and then the Persian kingdom, and finally, God has turned their captivity and He is restoring them. He is giving them a new beginning. They are turning back. And in fact, it's very interesting that their 70 years of captivity was because they had refused to acknowledge God's law, but in particular, one law that He had given to them. Every seven years, you'll take a Sabbath. You don't just have a Sabbath day, you have a Sabbath year in which you give the land a year to rest to come back with a fresh and a new beginning. They had ignored that for 490 years, and so God said, because of that, you will be in captivity for 70 years so that the land can have its rest. And so after 70 years, God had prophesied through the prophet Jeremiah that you will return to the land of of Judah, to the city of Jerusalem. The 70 years pass and God gives them this and He turns their captivity. They return. Just imagine what must be going through their minds as they travel. Many of these that are returning have never lived in, in Jerusalem. They've never lived in the land of Israel. They've lived all their life, born and raised in the city of Babylon or in the kingdom of Babylon or in the kingdom of Persia. They've never been, so they are leaving behind the comfortable and they're leaving behind the familiar to return into the unknown to do a work that is a great challenge. They're going to have to start from scratch. Instead of living in a city where all their needs are met and everything's comfortable and where they're used to and things that they're familiar with, they're going back to a land where there's nothing and they're going to have to start from scratch to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. They're going to have to clear the rubble and they're going to have to rebuild the houses and rebuild the temple. 
They return and he says, the Lord turned our captivity. It is the Lord that is giving this new beginning. It is the Lord that is giving this second chance. When they get back, they find that things aren't as convenient and comfortable as they were living in captivity. And so to raise crops and to have food, they need water. And so notice what he says in, the, in verse 4, turn our captivity as the streams in the south. Now, when I say the south, I know immediately all us good southerners where our mind goes, there's only one south in the world, the capital of the world, the southern part of North America. That's where, that's where the south is. <laughs> amen. I got some amens. Finally get some amens and it's on that. That's good. We're, we're talking about the southern portion of the land of Palestine, the land of Israel. That is the Negev Desert. It is arid and it is dry and there's no rain. And so it's a barren wasteland. And yet when the rains will come, these stream beds will fill with water. They tell me that the farmers are able to irrigate because they build canals and channels off of these streams out to their crops to be able to water their crops. And so it is not just a time of refreshing the, the land. It is refreshing to the people. And it is a time of great joy when the rains come and God restores as the streams in the south. He brings that water back again. And what a time of joy. You see, each one of these times of renewal and fresh starts and new beginnings are times of joy. And then he comes and he says, they that sow in tears will reap in what? In joy. When we look at these new beginnings, I want you to hold several thoughts in your mind because these are key to understanding our new beginnings. One is, is it, that it is a work of God. The Lord is the one who turned our captivity. The Lord is the one who has given us a fresh start. The Lord is the one who has given us a second chance. The Lord is the one who brings us to a fresh place. Now, with a fresh, with a fresh start comes fresh challenges. The challenges that they did not experience before, they are now experiencing. Things that they maybe not have, been, have not been prepared for and didn't expect, they're experiencing these and they're ready for these. And now, but Lord, if we're going to plant crops and we're going to raise crops and we're going to feed our families, we've got to have the rain. We've got to have the outflowing of this, this water that will flow in these streams from the south. And then there's the challenge of sowing and reaping. Boy, sowing and reaping is a long-term process. You don't walk out into your yard and sow a few seeds in a garden and come back the next day and pick tomatoes off the plant or even put a plant in the ground. Even if it's already grown some and you plant that tomato plant, you don't come out the next day with your bread and your mayonnaise and your knife and your black pepper, of course, and where's my tomato sandwich? It takes time. They that sow in tears will reap in joy. It's a work of God, but it's also experiences of joy. I talk to people from time to time. I talked to someone several months ago, and they emphasized to me that they were going through a time when in their service for God and in their worship with God and in their walk with God, they simply were lacking the joy. Do you remember what David said in Psalm 51 when he confessed his sins before God? God, restore unto me 
not my salvation. He had lost his salvation. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David was in a dry and barren place, and he needed that new and that fresh beginning. He needed that fresh start. And with a fresh start comes fresh challenges and fresh needs, but there's also God that gives us fresh grace for those new beginnings. As we look at this psalm this morning, I want you to see three new beginnings, and you will probably see yourself in one or several of these. You may see someone that you know, that you love, and that you care about who is in need of one of these. And I want to challenge you now to seek God. If you are in need of a new beginning, don't sit back and wait for it to happen. Pray the prayer of this psalm, Lord, turn us again. Pray for that one that needs that new beginning. And Lord, turn their captivity again. Begin to seek from God. And that's the advice and counsel I give to anyone who is experiencing a dryness and barrenness of soul, a weariness of their spirit, that God will hear and He will answer. The first kind of new beginning that you may need this morning is a new beginning of repentance or restoration. Why were they carried into captivity? Verses 1 through 3 focus on this. Return us, return our captivity. They went into captivity because there was sin in Israel. They were experiencing the consequences of their sin. Can we please get back to the place that we as the church, as the people of God, have an understanding that there are consequences for our sins? That just because we have confessed our sins, that there is... Let me, let me give you an example of this. My grandfather, before he came to Christ, was a, a bootlegger. In fact, he and his brother drank themselves out of business. They drank their own product. And he had affected his body in a tremendous way. God saved his soul. He was called to preach. He pastored for years until his death. But for the rest of his life, he suffered physical consequences for his sins. God saved him. God forgave him. But there were consequences from it. He had heart attacks. He had various other physical issues that came from the lifestyle that he lived before he was saved. We somehow have this idea that God's just going to give us a small rap on the hand and God's chastisement may be turned from us when we repent. But the consequences are still the same. And if we do not repent, if we do not come before God, and if we confess our sins, if we confess, He's faithful and just to forgive us. But if we don't, there's chastisement. If you are without chastisement, you're not, a, you're not God's child, the Bible says. And so there's chastisement and there's consequences for our sins. And God chastened His people. He sent them into Babylon. He sent them into captivity. He sent seven different nations against them over the years. And finally, Babylon and Persia would be the ones that they would spend 70 years in slavery and in bondage. Sure, some of them were free and some of them could enjoy things, but they were not allowed to be where God wanted them to be. And yet, in their restoration, in their repentance, their sorrow, God turned again their captivity. God will not always remember our sins. The Bible says He will forgive our sins 
And the Bible says in Psalm 123 that he places our sins as far as the east is from the west. Boy, that's a powerful truth. You know, you can go north and you'll eventually find north. You'll start going south again. And you can go south and you'll eventually find where you find south and then you'll go north again. But you can go east as far as you want and you will never, ever find west. And you can go west as far as you want and you'll never, ever find east. God has placed our sins as far as the east is from the west. He has cast them into the sea of forgetfulness, the old song says. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that God is a God who turns again our captivity? Maybe this morning you've lived a life and you've tried to find fulfillment and satisfaction in everything this world has to offer. I want you to know that through the grace of God, through the person of Jesus Christ, that God offers to you a new beginning, a new start, a fresh start, a second chance in His grace and His mercy. And this can be the day. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time to trust Christ as your Savior and through Christ have that new birth and have a new beginning. For believers, it's a time when there are sin that has crept into our life and we need to confess it. We need to turn from it. We need to be restored from it. And notice the response. What is it that has kept them from joy? Then was our mouth filled with laughter. Then we were, we were like those that were in a dream. Have you ever experienced something so good that you just couldn't even believe it was happening? It was just like, a, it was like being in a dream. Well, I can't believe. After 70 years, God promised He was going to do this, but it's finally happening. God is turning our captivity. He is changing things around. He is bringing us back to this, this land that we've heard our fathers talk about, this land that some of us remember we've experienced. We saw the old temple and the glory of God that was in it, and we remember what it was like. And now we're being restored to that. You see the, the results of that? Our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. It wasn't just God's people that were responding. The unbelievers are responding. They see that there's something different. This world doesn't need to see a bunch of people that think they got it all together. They need to see that we're sinners like the rest of them, but we've received God's mercy and grace. That's the powerful truth. The powerful truth of this passage and this, this message is that the second chance that God gives, the grace, the new beginnings that God gives, it is all through the person of Jesus Christ and none of us have earned it, none of us deserve it. God is the one that turns that captivity and brings grace. I don't know about you, but that stirs my heart a little bit to know what God has done. Do you remember the day of your new beginning? Do you remember when you trusted Christ as your Savior? Do you remember what your life was like before you trusted Christ as your Savior? I heard a preacher say one time, he said, I think the problem with most Christians is they've been saved too long. They've forgotten what it was like before they were saved. They've forgotten what God saved them out of. And I think it's good for God to remind us every once in a while that He has turned our captivity. There's a new beginning of repentance. There's a new beginning of revival. This is something that we're praying for in these days, that God will renew and revive us. When they get back, do you, do you understand that with new beginnings come new challenges? 
With new beginnings come new challenges. They come back and they've got some new challenges that they've not faced before. And they recognize very quickly, God brought them back. But unless God continues to work and unless God continues to provide, they're not going to survive. That is why it is sometimes easier for us to stay where we are than for us to move where we need to be. Can I say that one more time? I think some of y'all, maybe it's, you might wake up and listen to what I'm getting ready to say. It's easier for us to stay where we are than for us to move where we need to be. Why? Because it takes some effort to move. And when we get to where we need to be, there's going to be some tasks, there's going to be some challenges that we might not, we'd rather be, we'd rather stay where we are, we'll just sort of ignore our sin, we'll sort of ignore where we are spiritually, we'll be complacent, we'll be apathetic, we'll settle where we are, because to move is painful. Can I say to us that sometimes revival hurts? Some of us know what I'm talking about, we've experienced the conviction when, when we're not where we're supposed to be, God begins to work on us, and God's work on us is sometimes not gentle. It can be painful for us to have to confess things, for us to have to change things. We didn't get where we are overnight. And so it can be painful to try to bring us back into the lane where God has for us to be. And so they get back and they, Lord, turn us again. Wait a minute. Verse 1 already said he turned their captivity. Why are they praying again? Because there is more that is needed. And some of us are saved and we're glad of it, but we are so settled in that fact that we've never once asked for God to continue the work of His Spirit within us to continue what we need. And I say that we desperately need a work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts right now. We need a new beginning. We need a fresh start. We need those streams from the south to flow through us and in us and over us and the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us because without Him we can do nothing. And we can't, we can't be spiritually fruitful just as that land would never be fruitful in the crops that it would bear apart from the rains that would come. We cannot be spiritually fruitful unless the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. And so we pray, Lord, turn again our captivity. As individuals, we need to pray, Lord, turn again our captivity. Give us a fresh start. Give us a new beginning. As a church, we need to pray, Lord, Send the rains, send the water, send the power of the Holy Spirit. Turn us again. Turn again our captivity. The prayer for revival. There's a great preacher of old that said, when God begins to do a work of revival, He first sets His people to praying. This is the prayer they're praying here. Lord, turn us again. Praying for that new beginning. Then there's in this psalm, there's also the new beginning of reaping. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Do you see the joy throughout this psalm? When the Lord turned our captivity, we were like them that were in a dream, and our mouth was filled with laughter the delight of being saved, the joy of our salvation. Lord, send, 
streams from the south. And when that fullness comes, not just a, a, a physical refreshing to a dry and barren land, but a spiritual refreshing to a dry and weary soul, there is the joy that overflows. And then when the reaping, the sowing takes place, then the reaping, there comes joy. Maybe this morning you need a, a new beginning in your sowing. You've served God, or maybe in the past you have. And I used to do this, and I used to serve here. It's always amazing to me to see how serving God can bring a renewal. Sometimes we feel like we have to be renewed in order to serve, but sometimes serving will bring renewal. I talked to folks during Judgment House that experienced that, and they said that it's, look, coming and serving in some capacity has, it's brought a, it's, it's just stirred my heart. As they were sharing the gospel and a part of sharing the gospel, it just reinvigorates me. It does something for me spiritually. Look, we're serving for others. We're serving first and foremost for the glory of God, but we're serving for the benefit of others. But there's something about serving that does something in us. And we need that new beginning. Where's your service for God? Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. He that goes forth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again, bringing his sheaves with him. The sowing, the gospel, the sowing, the seed, the service, all of these things, the joy of that, it's a new beginning. Where are you? What, what new beginning do you need this morning? Is it a new beginning of just, I'm weary, I'm tired? I feel like I've just, I've been walking through deep mud. I've been pushing forward, and my Christian life has just seemed to have no fervor, no flavor to it, no desire to it, no passion to it. And I, I, just, I just need to, I need a new beginning. I need a fresh start. I need fresh grace. I'm glad that the Bible says God's mercies are new every morning. Every day, what we need for a fresh start. I need to be brought back to that place of, of freshness, and I need that, the work of the Holy Spirit in me. Maybe, maybe there's in your family or in your personal life, you, you've, gotten off, you've gotten off track. Things are not where they're supposed to be. And it's time for a fresh start. It's time for a new beginning. Let's put the past behind us. Let's confess it. Let's put it behind us. Let's turn from it. Let's be restored. Let's restore our families. Let's, just, let's restore our walk with God. Let's restore our fellowship with one another and with God. A new beginning. And let's pray together. God, give us a fresh start. Give us a new beginning. Work in us. Pour out your Spirit on us. Turn again our captivity and fill those streams with, in the south. Maybe this morning is someone you're burdened about, a family member or a friend, and they desperately need a new beginning. They need a second chance. They need a do-over. They need a mulligan. I want to invite you this morning to bring them to the altar 
and pray for them, lift them up. Sometimes the burdens that we carry for others are heavier than the ones we carry for ourselves. New beginning. I'm glad that God is a God of second chances. He is a God of new beginnings. And with new beginnings come new challenges, but with new challenges comes new grace. And with new grace, God gives new joy. Father, I believe this morning you're speaking to hearts and there are those who desperately need a new beginning. I pray that, Lord, even before this invitation starts, that they will begin to step out and come to this altar. There are those of us who know the others who need a new beginning and a fresh start. Lord, help us to bring them to the altar. But, Lord, begin to work in our hearts 